go. But we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, that's the first. I've got a verse there and then a verse in 1 Corinthians. So if you want to hold the 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, either I'll read it to you, you can get there. Uh, but I want to start in Deuteronomy 11, uh, a little different today. Normally I'll take a passage and we'll kind of walk through each verse Today, uh, I want to do something a little different. Uh, a few days ago, I was doing a search. Uh, I use eSword on my computer to kind of help me study uh, and to look at different things and to copy the verses into my notes. Uh, and I did a, one of the good things with the computer is you can search something and it tells you everywhere it is in the Bible just like that. It takes a second. Well, I searched a phrase a few days ago, and this is the phrase I searched because I, I, I had read it in one verse and I wondered how many times was it in the Bible. But I looked for the phrase, be not deceived, be not deceived. I looked for that phrase in the Bible and it was in the Bible five times. And what I noticed is I saw two different themes. We're not going to cover all five verses. Uh, we're going to uh, just mainly look at two of them. But I saw two themes uh, where the Bible was using the phrase, be not deceived. And I think that uh, it was kind of showing us that there are two major deceptions in this world that the Bible is trying to warn us about. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So a little bit different, uh, more of a subject uh, type of message, but that's all right. Uh, uh, we pray that God will help us. But Deuteronomy 11 verse 16 says this, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. I'll read it again. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your word, uh, Lord, and all that we've, uh, the worship we've already had. But Lord, I ask that you would use me to preach this morning. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that your word would go out in power like it promised. And we ask the Holy Spirit to touch all the hearts today. Whatever situation, Lord, I pray that they find uh, what they need in you, Jesus, today. And in his name we pray, and amen. So I believe the devil has been very successful at deceiving the world. And, I, and, and one of the problems is I think the devil has been pretty successful in actually deceiving a lot of churches as well. And that's the sad part uh, that when we look at it. But Deuteronomy eleven sixteen that I read, uh, take he, uh, heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and turn ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So he's saying, he's talking about a, deception where their heart is deceived and what it causes them to do is turn from God and serve and worship other gods or worship idols is kind of interchangeable in the Bible. So uh, the Bible is clear when it comes to idols, we've got to avoid them. We can't serve them. We can't worship them. We can't put their trust in them. And in fact, I looked up idols again in the program and their idols are mentioned from Leviticus all the way to the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. And I believe uh, that one of the deceptions of today when it comes to idols or false gods or any, whatever you want to call it, is that there's this deception that an idol has to be a little statue. 
And, and a lot of times that's the first thing that comes, at least to my mind, when you read the word idol in the Bible, is you think of some little Buddha, some little statue that they've carved or made out of metal, uh, you know, a bull, an animal, or part man, part animal, or something like that, or maybe a statue of a saint, maybe some famous saint from before, they come up with a little statue of that, and that's what I think of first when I think of idols, and, and, and here's the thing, if that's all it was talking about it would be easy i believe for our culture right we don't we were we didn't grow up most of us in a culture or in a home uh where we had these little idols we didn't we didn't grow up in the you know in, in different parts of asia and different things where they they celebrate buddha and they would have had a buddha in their house and different things like that we didn't grow up like that so for if all it was to just abstain from little statues we'd it'd be easy Right, no problem. And then we could just ignore all the verses that talk about idols and say, check, we got that. I looked at my house. I don't have any little statues. I'm good. But here's the thing. An idol can be a statue. Yes, that's true. But, but based on the Bible, an idol is anything that we set our affections on, anything that takes the place of God in our heart. It doesn't have to be a statue. It doesn't have to be even a physical thing. It can. It can be an idea. It can be anything that takes the place of God in our hearts. So now if we think about all the verses that talk about false gods, false idols, everything else, if it's not just statues, but something that takes my affection away from God, then now I think we're all included, right? I think that starts to include all of us. Well, many of you know, and maybe some of you don't, uh, that I love hockey. And around here, one of the funny things is nobody else seems to, right? Everyone else uh, thinks it's just a sport about fighting. James and I are the only ones, pretty much. Uh, but I love hockey. I love to watch it. I love going to games and everything else. Now, imagine this. Uh, because I loved it, uh, and they're always trying to sell me tickets and everything, what if I said, you know what? I'm getting season tickets to the Blue Jackets this year. I'm going to every home game, right? I love it. We're going to have a good time. Uh, it's going to be great. And I buy those tickets. Uh, or many of you don't know this, but a lot of years ago, I tried, I interviewed to play the organ at the Blue Jackets. It sounds crazy, and it was crazy. Uh, but anyway, I didn't make it, obviously. Uh, they picked somebody else. But imagine this. I looked up the next season, and I saw seven games that were either on a Wednesday night at 7 or on a Sunday night at 6. That's when the games start those nights. I'd have had to miss seven games or seven times of church. So then you're thinking about, okay, let me ask you this question. Uh, uh, if I would have missed those, now I'm the pastor of the church. If you didn't know this, I'm the pastor of the church, all right? God's called me to lead and to pastor the church to do all those things. Now let me ask you this question. If I would have bought those season tickets and go to those seven games and, and not go to church, is that a sin for me to do that? Is that a sin? Ask yourself that. Would, if God's called me to preach, if God's called me to lead the church, and I set my affections on the hockey games instead of what he's called me to do, I think it is a sin. Right? Do you agree with me? I, I, I think if you answer that for me, uh, uh, that's a sin because I think it'd be clear that, Mike, your affections have moved. You've put something in the place of God. Now let me ask you this question. It was pretty easy to call that a sin for me. What about the thing that you like, right? Yeah. What about the thing that's 
you're setting your affections on. What about that? What, what, what is that thing that might be getting in the way of what God wants you to do? What, well, let me ask you the same thing. Is there a different standard between me and you? No. No. When you answer that question, let me ask you this. Are you saying it's a sin just because of your opinion? Or are you saying that's not a sin because of your opinion? Or are you basing it on God's word? Because God's word is what determines what's a sin and what isn't. God's word determines what's right and what's wrong. God's word determines the way we should live. I'll give you a verse that goes right on point with it. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You know that's one of the reasons why we come together. We build each other up. We help one another. We pray for one another. We can't do that when we're apart. Right? Remember when, remember when COVID first started, we had to close everything down and we were online only and I'm preaching in a room all by myself and I can't hear any of you and we can't really share. We tried sharing some prayer requests. We tried doing some different things, but we could not replicate all of us coming together, worshiping together, praying together, testifying together, uplifting one another. We couldn't replicate that online. And that's why he says you can't forsake that. Exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. The end of that verse is very important. You know what that says? That this service was more important than Wednesdays. And guess what? Tonight's is more important than today. And, and Wednesday, the next service is going to be even more important. Why? Because we're getting closer to the end of this thing. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Don't, we're commanded to assemble ourselves together. And the verse before that one in Hebrews, I didn't, I didn't include it in the notes, but it talks about we come together so we can provoke one another to love and unto good works. Amen. Provoke, that word means like poke like a fire, stir one another up in love and good works, uh, energize one another, encourage one another. That's one of the reasons why we come together. But one of the greatest reasons we come together is to worship Jesus together. That's why we do this. We need each other. We need to worship together. We need to pray for one another. We need to carry one another's burdens. We need to testify. We need to sit under biblical preaching and teaching. And God says it's more important as each day passes. Be not deceived. That thing that's stealing your affection. And a lot of times it's stealing your heart slowly from God. That is a sin and it will lead you away from God every time. It'll lead you away from worship. It'll lead you away from serving God. You go into the Old Testament, you can see countless examples where the children of Israel were led away from God by idols and false gods. And here's the thing. It can happen to us too. It can. It can steal our affections away from God. And because of that, we've got to be on guard and we've got to realize that anything can become an idol in your life. And remember what I said. James and I, you remember the two that like hockey, we are planning on going to a hockey game, right? We'll find a date that works. We'll go there and we'll have a blast. That's not a sin. But putting it in front of God would be a sin. That's the difference. So that's one deception, right? Uh, Deuteronomy eleven sixteen. Don't be deceived by serving idols, by serving other gods. Don't be deceived, because that's what the devil's trying to do. 
Don't let your heart be deceived into serving them. The next deception comes from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, 9 through 11. The next deception is not to be deceived that God doesn't care about whether we live righteous or not. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I tell you what, I, I'm glad that last verse is there. It says, but such were some of you. But there is a very real deception today, and I don't know if you see it. There's a deception that you can live however you want, and God accepts that. We see it everywhere. You can't act like you don't see it because it is everywhere. And there are so many churches today. I kind of talked about it last Sunday, I believe. Uh, but there are so many churches out there that are just willing to accept anything because they think if we can just bring them in and we can accept everything, we can give them other parts of the Bible, but they're missing the biggest part. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And if nothing is a sin, then he didn't come to do anything. It doesn't make sense. But if you admit that you're a sinner, right? If you'll admit what the Bible already says, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and you will admit that, and you will just come to Jesus Christ and say, I'm tired of the old life, uh, and, and you pray to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you trust that he died on the cross for your sins, he was buried, he rose on the third day, all according to scriptures, you trust that, you call out to him, and he will save your soul, he will give you a new life, he'll make you a new creature, you'll be born again, all the different words the Bible talks about, a new start, basically. And that, uh, uh, that, that means a different life. As such were some of you. Aren't you glad he made us new when we came to Jesus Christ? Amen. But he says, be not deceived. And he names a whole bunch here. And there are other parts of the Bible where there's other lists. Some of them overlapping. Some of them different. But I'm here to tell you, whether your sin is listed or not, you, it is talking about every sin that's mentioned in the entire Bible. Be not deceived. God cares how you live. That's right. He cares how you live. He yeah. wants you to live righteously and holy. And that's why he's got a book of righteousness and explains what is right and what is wrong. But the first thing in that list of deception there in verse 6, be not deceived, neither fornicators. Do you notice that? That's the very first one. That's the first thing mentioned of the deceptive list of unrighteous things is fornication. And I'll tell you what, our society could care less if two unmarried people live together. Amen. They do not care. They don't see a problem with it. In fact, they encourage it. Have you heard this before? It would be crazy for two people to get married that have never lived together, right? Because they have to see whether they're compatible and everything else. That's what this world says, right? It's a lie. It's deception. It's not the truth. And God is not okay with it. I don't care. I love everybody. But I don't care 
If you think you have some special uh, uh, relationship with Jesus and he's okay with what you're doing, he's not. He's not. His Bible's not okay with it. The Holy Spirit's not okay with it. God the Father's not okay with it. None of them are okay with it because they're all consistent. He said neither fornicators right up front. Right? That deception has nearly infiltrated the church all the way across the board because I don't know about you, I have seen so many people that grew up in church, that knew Jesus Christ, that uh, that even have served him and everything else. They hit their 20s and 30s. They move in with the boyfriend, the girlfriend and everything else to see if it'll work out and act like there's nothing wrong with it. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. What if... Hollywood and nearly every movie and nearly every show uh, has fornication and makes it okay. Is it still a sin? Yes. Right? Doesn't matter if Hollywood thinks it's okay. What if uh, the top psychological, medical, scientific journals, whatever, what if they say that the couple should move in together before they're married to see if they're compatible? Is it still a sin? Yes. What if your child or grandchild decides they're moving in? with the boyfriend or girlfriend. Is it still a sin? Yes. Yes. Easy questions, right? What if you decided to do it? Is it still a sin? Yes. Right? We answered yes for fornication in every single instance. And we are correct. Why? Because the Bible says that sex is reserved for one situation. That is a man and a woman married together. And it's for them. And that's it. Amen. That's it. Everything else is fornication. So we answered those. But guess what? For some of us, that was an easy one, right? We're married. We don't have to worry about that. We're not dating anymore. You know, all those different things. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a married relationship. Everything's all right. But what if we substituted fornication for something else, right? What if we traded a different sin in there and we started asking all the same questions, right? What if I asked? What if Hollywood says it's okay to lie in all the shows and all the movies? Is it still a sin? Yes. What if the journals for some reason said it's okay to lie? Is it still a sin? Yes. What if your children is a liar? Is it okay? No, it's still a sin. What if you're a liar? Is it okay? No, it's a sin. You're thinking, okay. I'm not going through all of them. But the Holy Spirit can point out the things that trouble each one of us. Now let's go down the list for our own heart. Is it still a sin? Yes. And what's the Bible say? Be not deceived. Our heart, our heart, the Bible says, is is deceptive, desperately wicked. Why? Because it tries to convince us that these things are okay in our life. Right? Right? I see your sin and I know that's wrong. Oh, but my own. I'm not the same way. Why? Because I'm trying to deceive my own self. But it's not going to work. We'll go through a couple more. Philippians 2, 3 3 says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each other... 
let each esteem other better than ourselves. Verse 4, look not every man unto his own things, but every man also unto the things of others. That's covering selfishness. And I don't know if you do that, but selfishness is a sin in the Bible. Hmm. What does Hollywood think about selfishness? What do the self-help books think about selfishness, right? What is, uh, what are all the people on social media, the influencers and everything else, what do they say about selfishness? That it's a good thing, right? You've got to look out for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. And here's the thing. Our society promotes selfishness and they're driven by it. The Bible's the opposite. It promotes humility. Love your neighbor as yourself. Take care of others. Uh, that's what we just read. All these other things. Look out for another's interests. And here's the deception. If I care about other people, I'm going to end up letting myself go. Right? That's what they say. If you care about other people, if you do things for other people, you'll end up getting hurt yourself. That's a deception. Because usually, I told you, our society, we are programmed to be, we're just like the societies that I said that grew up with a Buddha. We have grown up with a selfish society, and, and like it or not, uh, we're pretty selfishly leaning all the time, if we're honest with ourselves. So here's the thing. The deception is, if I show any care about somebody, I'm going to get hurt, or something like that, or I'm going to let myself go. And usually what happens is we're so self-centered, we just don't want to take care of anyone. It's all right. It hurts. I know. It's okay. It hurts me as well. But this is creep. Things like this have creeped into the church and it should never happen. We should care about one another. Again, that's why I said we assemble together because we care about one another. We take on another one, uh, each other's burdens and everything else. Be not deceived. Living a selfish life is sinful and God sees it. Well, let's go on. Maybe you're not selfish today. Maybe you're a giver. How about this? Because some of you are like, past, still good, right? Not, not practicing fornication, right? Not, uh, not selfish. How about this? And, and I'm sensitive to other people's needs. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We are living in a world that's afraid of everything, Right? They're afraid. God commands us not to live in fear. Right? Because if we're living in fear, we are not trusting God. We're putting our faith in logic. We're putting our faith uh, in the news. We're putting our faith, or here's the thing. This is me. I'll just be honest with you real quick. I will, I'll find something, some news, you know, Something goes wrong with the church, something happens or whatever. And my brain, I don't know if yours does this, but it instantly comes up with the future. And it's always the worst outcome. Do you do that? The what if? Like, you know, uh, something happens, so then immediately it turns into the biggest catastrophe you've ever hit. And I'm starting to get worried that everything's going to fall apart. Is that, am I the only one? Does that happen to you too? You get some news, and then all of a sudden, everything's done. We're done. We're just packing up. It's over, right? We had a good run. It's done. But then, I, I'm real forgetful. I should have heard an amen back there. But anyway, I'm real forgetful. Later on, I forget 
planned the disaster scenario, and we made it. Yeah. And the worst didn't happen. We're okay. We're still, everything's fine. We made it through it. And it wasn't even anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Yet I always forget about that, right? Yeah. That's me putting trust and fear instead of God. That's a sin. That's a sin. Here's the thing. I've had to teach myself this and I'm still working on it. Whenever I notice myself becoming afraid or whenever I notice myself doing the what if disaster scenario, I have to stop and replace that fear with a promise from God. Right? And then I remind myself that God's taking care of me in so many different ways. He will take care of me again. He is, uh, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed begging bread. And I'll tell you, in my life, he is taking care of me over and over again. We've gotten some really bad news over the years, right? We've had to endure some really bad trials. But in every time, God took care of me, and it was never as bad as I thought it would be. Fear, it's a sin. Let's keep going. Pride, James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace. Uh, wherefore, he saith, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. I'm not going to go deep into this, uh, but this world is full of prideful people. You can't let it rule you because it is, it is a disaster in the Bible. It's a sin. Even if Hollywood's okay with it, even if everyone around you is okay with it, even if you think you're okay with it, be not deceived. It's a deception. And here's the last one I'm going to look at. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. This is another one that has the phrase in it. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You know what that's saying? Our mouth can undo all of our righteous living. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Right? We can live righteously. We can be close to God. We can be serving God. And then we can just say a few words and it can ruin all that. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Our mouths are bad. And it matters how we live, right? It matters what we say as Christians. Yeah. I, I have said this many times. It matters what you say. It matters what you type online. And, and I, I tell you what, I've said it before. I grow. If you're one of these people, I'm sorry, but not sorry. But I am sick of people saying, I'm just this way. God made me this way. I can't help it. I just speak my mind. And any other phrase that they say, that makes me very angry. Why? Because... If you're saying God made you this way, you're saying he made a mistake. And for all the other arguments, remember what he said at that one verse, and such were some of you. What's that mean? He changed you, didn't he? Didn't he change you? Aren't you glad when you were saved? You didn't just turn over a new leaf. He gave you a new heart. He gave you the mind of Christ. He put the Holy Spirit that dwells within. He did all of these things, and he has changed us in huge ways. Yet, for so many Christians, they feel like he changed everything, but he left the mouth. As if he forgot it. As if he didn't do it perfectly. He made you a new creature, but forgot the mouth, or whatever. Or as if the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough. He helped you with everything else, but he can't help your tongue. That is a lie and a deception from the devil. Yeah. If you are a Christian person, it matters what you say. We are going to give an account, the Bible says, listen to this, for every idle word. Yeah. He hasn't forgotten a word you said. Right. Mm, mm, mm. He cares what you say. Amen. Guess what? This world cares what you say too. Yeah. 
You can't witness Jesus Christ if your mouth is spewing out all kinds of nonsense. And I've said it before, you've got to be careful on social media and everything else because you may be posting things about coming to church one day and then the next day you're posting something that's ridiculous, right? Good thing, good, bad, blessings and cursings can't come out of the same thing, right? But the Bible says you've got to be careful. But guess what? The Lord will help you in that. You're not going to speak perfectly. But the Lord will help you. And, and whatever the problem is, he will help you with that. If you would just lay it aside and realize, uh, push the excuses aside and say, Lord, this is a problem. Lord, I know it's a sin. Will you help me? He will. He will help you. He'll help your tongue. He'll help your anger. He'll help whatever it is. If you're in a relationship that's sinful, he'll help you get out of it. If you are filled with sinful temptations, he will help you escape those temptations. He said he would. He promised he would. Be not deceived. It matters how we live. I'll give you the one more. Galatians 6, 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When we make decisions to sin, it is like planting seeds in the ground. Uh, the, the rain comes, the sun comes, and then we look out here and we see the different crops that are growing because they planted certain seed, right? There is corn out there across in that field because they planted corn seed, right? You plant a bunch of sin in your life, you will reap it. It will come to harvest. But you plant spiritual things, you plant walking by faith. You plant things that God's called you to do and you will reap of those things. I think we've been seeing this in our church. You know, there's a period there where you're, you're doing a lot of planting and a lot of work and you don't see much. Uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be much coming out of it. Oh, but then all of a sudden the thing starts springing up and the harvest comes and uh, God, he calls himself, he's the Lord of the harvest and I am glad he is sending souls our way. I'm glad he's sending families our way. I'm glad he's causing uh, young men to answer the call to preach and we are growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ why that's not by accident because we have been faithful in serving him and we're starting to see we're reaping what we've sown that is a great thing but it works both ways you put all this together that second deception it matters how we live and God wants us to live a certain way and we're looking unto Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life He's the one. Amen. And he came to die for our sins. He's not willing to be okay with it or he never would have sent Jesus to the cross. So in closing, how do we, how do we combat these deceptions? Because what a deception is, is it makes you to believe something that's a lie is true. It's basically what it is. So it, it gets you to believe a lie as if it's true. That's what a deception is. And he's saying, don't you be deceived by these things. Don't you be deceived uh, 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 that um, you can serve these idols. Don't be deceived that you can set your heart on other things and it's okay. And God's okay with it. He's not. And don't be deceived that you can live uh, the certain way in sin. But how do you fight against it? How do you avoid getting caught up in deception? See, at work, I deal in financial crime. And one of the, one of the hard things is, is uh, when an older person... Uh, they get a phone call and someone starts sweet talking them and starts talking fast and gets them in a panic. And then all of a sudden they're pulling out their life savings. 
Uh, they're, they're going to Walmart and getting a green dot card and, and, and calling them back and giving them the number. And then I see their accounts being drained. Why? Because they're believing in a lie. They're deceived. And I try to get in there a lot of times and I try to stop that. And I, I've even talked to certain customers and said, hey, this is a scam. They don't believe it. They're, they're not believing me. And I, I'm telling them, I say, listen, listen, I've been doing this a long time. I, I told one of them, I said, oh, what, what did you do in your career? And they, you know, they said woodworking, something like that. I said, listen, I don't know the first thing about woodworking. And, and if I came to you in your shop and I watched you do some things, I would not stop you and say, that's the wrong way to do it. Right. That'd be comical, wouldn't it? Right. I said, I've been doing this a long time. I know what a scam looks like financially. I know what it looks like. And you're falling for it right now. I need you to stop. Guess what? This Bible right here will show you the truth about every deception. It will shed light on everything this world is trying to pass as truth. This Bible will shed light on it. But guess what? It only works if we get into it. Right? It only works if we get in there and we learn it, we study it, we hide it in our hearts. The truth comes from the Bible and that's it. What else do we need to do? We need to watch we need to be ready, right? Remember, because I, I told you my job, when somebody calls me, I instantly don't trust anybody. It's about, it seems sad, but I don't trust. When you call me, I don't trust you. Who are you? I don't know you. I don't know your number. What do you want from me, right? I'm not giving you any information or none of those things. I might mess with you a little bit, but I'm not giving you anything, right? I don't trust. We need to watch because the devil wants to deceive every one of us. And he'll work in whatever way he can. So just know that it's coming. And then finally, we need to pray. Because that's the only way. It's between the word of God and watching and praying. That is how we can combat the deception. That is how we can keep from being deceived by the devil. Because this world is everywhere. Remember what did I say? I listed some of those sins and I said, what if every show and every movie had it in there? And you're probably laughing. You're like, it does, right? It does. That's not an accident. That's not an accident. You think Hollywood is just, uh, uh, is just casually going in the direction it's going? No, there is Satan is at work because he wants to normalize things. He wants to make things glorified and better than what God says is right. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that you and I are being pummeled with all this stuff everywhere we go. And here's the thing. Once you get your mind and heart filled with this, you'll instantly realize that this world promotes the opposite of everything God does. No matter what. It's always the opposite. Why? Because they want to get everyone to believe it. But here's the thing. We know the truth. Aren't you glad? Amen. But be not deceived. There's a deception out there. And the sad thing is, I could ask you this. Do you know somebody that we used to worship with? you know somebody that used to be on fire for God? Do you know somebody that, I mean, they used to be one of us. But now they're out in the world. Why are they out there? They let something deceive them. And it started slow. And it was unchecked. And they just let it go. And now all of a sudden, they don't want anything to do with us anymore. That's sad. That's sad. Not because of us. 
If you go to another church where they preach the truth, I'll say, praise God. Amen. If you go out into this world and trade the truth for a lie, I'll say, God forbid. Yeah. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. There is a real deception. There's a real devil. And he says, number one, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then also uh, uh, be not deceived. And he gives all that list of things. Be not deceived that God doesn't care how we live. It is not true. And there's so many other deceptions. But I was amazed that that phrase pretty much boiled down to those two things. And you think, what is the devil attacking? That you can live how you want. That's what he's promoting. What else is he promoting? You can serve anything you want, right? Any religion's fine. Any belief is fine. You make your own truth, right? Isn't that what he's doing? He's putting those things together. And the sad thing is, I know it'll take the world. And the world will take it hook, line, and sinker. They're not saved. They don't know the truth. But it should never take a Christian person. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can come to him today. Amen. And if you, if the spirit of God has pointed out that you're starting to fall from one of these traps. Remember I said, uh, you can see the sin in somebody else, but are you seeing it in you? If he's pointing something out, you need to deal with it today. Amen. You need to deal with it today. As Brooke sings, we're going to open up the altar. If you want to come here and pray, you can pray at your seat either way. The location doesn't matter at your heart. Are you just willing to be honest with God today? Be honest with him. He wants to hear from you. He loves you today. He cares about you. Will you trust him? Will you get in his word? Will you watch for the deception? Are you praying? If you're not doing these things, you will get caught up in all these lies. You will. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Because there's enough deception in this world that eventually you'll give in. I've seen way too many people, and that's one of the problems with social media. I can see what people say, and they're loving and liking all these things that are sinful. And I'm telling you, that doesn't change the Bible. It doesn't matter. But aren't you glad? And such were some of you. Jesus Christ saved our soul, made us new, gave us the word so we don't have to guess what's right and wrong. Gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us and convict us and to lead us. And he died for our sins, washed them all away, cast them as far as the east is from the west, and made us a new creature. Praise God. We're not perfect, but I'm telling you what, we're getting closer to God each day that we trust him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for or this morning. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd go with us. Help us, Lord. I thank you for each and every one that's here. Lord, I know that we struggle with different things, but Lord, help us to overcome those things through your grace, your power. And Lord, help us to draw, uh, live closer to you, to speak and act uh, righteous and holy and be a representative of you. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you and we thank you for all things and in his name.